My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Hello, everyone. My name is August McLaughlin. I'm your host of Girl Boner Radio, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. And I have a very special guest with me today who's making lovely faces at me right now. She's been such a good sport. My mom is here. Oh, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Carolyn. Thank Uh, you. I'm so curious to know uh, how you feel about being Girl Boner's mom. You know, people have been calling me Girl Boner lately. Actually, you called me Girl Boner recently. Yes, I have. You know, I I kind of, you know, I took pride in that. How, How do you feel about being Girl Boner's mom? Well, I feel like you are one amazing girl. Aw. Well, thanks, Mom. And it makes me feel proud to be Girl Boner's mother. Wow. Mm-hmm. I even have it, like, not in writing, but even better. I have it recorded. Oh, I've got no. proof. <laughs> Don't let your father hear it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> good point. Good point. No, Dad's a good sport. Too. Yes, he is. He is. He's just, he might blush a little bit more than we do. No. Not as much as I do. Oh, really? I guess, well, you blush and giggle. He just yes. blushes and blushes. Uh, were you surprised? My, my mom, first of all, I need to brag about you just a little bit. Oh, no. Oh, just a little. Uh, and I'll be, I'll be brief because she does blush quite a bit. Um, <laughs> she's sticking her tongue out at me right now. Uh, but she's not only the mother of uh, myself and my four siblings. She raised five kids and many, many animals. She has nine grandchildren. She can cook the most amazing Indian food in the entire world, among oh other dishes. My. It's true. She grew up in India. She speaks many languages. She can sing in Assamese. She oh, uh, she writes great. beautiful poetry, <laughs> <laughs> and she has a lot of quirks and and funkiness. And I think that probably me and my my brother. So I have three sisters and a brother, and I'm the smack dab in the middle child. Yes, my very, what I was told, my very average child. Oh, thank you, Mom. (laughs) You know how much I love that. Yes, which is absolutely the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) That was, well, we have to explain what that was. I was, what, going in for my shots when I was in kindergarten, right? Yes. And they measure you, like, your length and your, you know, I guess height by then, your Mm -hmm. weight. And I was, like, perfectly average. And And I thought it was such an oxymoron even then, even though I didn't know what oxymoron meant. Well, How you asked the doctor, she said, well, then where am I on the chart? Yeah. He said, well, look at this. You are exactly average. <sighs> and that was about the worst thing he could have told you. It still kind of <laughs> irritates me, to be honest. <laughs> you know, it really does. Although, maybe I should write a thank you note and say, I've done very, I've done my hardest. I've worked really hard to, to not be typical. It. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Did you, were you surprised when, because, so my brother and I, Aaron and I, are the two who left Minnesota to, you know, permanently. <laughs> I know she's still she's still a little broken up about this sensitive issue, but um, no, not really. Um, so Aaron is in in New York, and I'm out in LA, and he's also uh, in the arts, and he's you know very expressive about lots of different issues. We both talk about sexuality and, and body image in different ways, societal issues and stuff like that. Coming from a place that's you know Minnesota is very. We're just telling these Finn and Oli jokes, which are you know it's a conservative, the most quiet. Stoic. Scandinavians live there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Were you surprised uh, that Aaron and I ended up being as kind of outspoken 
I guess I'm more absolutely not. Ways, but, you know. <laughs> no. Do you care to expand? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you remember when you were only two? Yeah. And this was again at the doctor's office. And I had your youngers. No, you were two. You must have been two and a half because I had had your sister Kelly in for a baby checkup. Okay. It wasn't even your checkup. And our pediatrician just walked across the room, and you went up to him, and you put your little fist on your hip, and you said, did you know that I'm going to cry for you even when I'm all grown up? <laughs> and you would, in the minute he would walk in to give you an exam, you would cry from the beginning to the very, very end. Was this the guy who called me average? Yes. Well, there you go. You know, sometimes you have Well, he was getting back at you for all the tears. Aw, <laughs> I feel bad now. Because I think, didn't I think he looked like Mr. Rogers and that freaked me out or something? Well, and he, because of him, Aaron wanted to be a doctor. Interesting, interesting. A pediatrician. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of doctors, sort of, uh, we talk a lot here. And one of the reasons I was inspired to, to do this show in my blog series is the fact that sex education is, is very limited. and But I know it's, it's come a long way you know, mm-hmm. relatively speaking, what was your sex education like in school? Well, I was homeschooled. I grew up in India, so I was my mother homeschooled me. And every five years, we'd come to the United States for a year. So I spent first grade, and then again, I spent seventh grade here. Seventh grade, middle school, sex ed. Whoa. And After grandma's sex ed? She never gave you any, did she? <laughs> oh, I had none. Except for we had a cook. I think this was the cutest way of, of telling a child. Is this Dow, the, the yeah, Indian Dao, cook? Yeah, Dow was our cook. Okay, so this is when my mom was living in India. She learned how to cook. Dow taught her how to cook the, the really authentic way, you know, not using recipes and stuff. Didn't he have a turban? No. Oh. No, he was, no, he, that would be, he, he's not a else. Sikh. He was a Hindu. Okay. Um, but he was illiterate. So everything was, he, all his cook was, cooking was by touch, feel, smell. Yeah. And, and it was all like oral tradition that had handed, been handed down to him. Sure. And when I was done with my schooling, which took two hours, because my mother was a nurse and went off to work, I would spend a lot of time in the kitchen with Dow. And we had a pair of Siamese cats. And one was Booty. Booty was, Booty means old lady. And and then we had Buddha, and Buddha was means old man. And one day I was helping Dao in the kitchen. At least I called it helping. I'm sure I was in his way, and he was just too kind to tell me I wasn't. But um, Buddha had been yowling around the house, obviously in heat, which I didn't really know much about then. And all of a sudden, here comes Buddha, and he jumped on her back and bit her neck and was growling, making these horrific noises. And I said, Dow, what's he doing? He's going to kill Booty. What's happening? And he said, oh, baby, don't you know? They're making kittens. In six months, I mean, no, in two months, you will have kittens to play with. And it totally satisfied me. I was a little girl. And I thought, wow, I'm going to have kittens. Yay! <laughs> so you kind of had a general grasp so, of it, which is good. So that that's my, that was my that was my education uh, sexually until I got to the states, and then I was in middle school like in a years old, small town in Minnesota, and 
we, we had sex education. We were handed out these little magazines. And in it were little diagrams and little pictures. and Of intercourse? just No, oh, no, nothing, just about menstruation. See, just, that's what I learned about, too. Not yeah. much has changed. <laughs> no, menstruation. Yeah. No, no, no sex was taught, just that my own sexuality. So they taught you about menstruation, not interaction, but nothing but, about yeah. interacting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And um, <laughs> back then, I'm sure many people can remember, and this will date me, is you would, we wore pads that had these long strips sticking out of them, and you'd wear like a garter belt, and they would attach to it around your waist. And that's what you would wear. And, and of course, the teacher would, just like when you're on an airplane and they show you how the, the oxygen mass drops down, she showed you in front of the class how the, how the pad would go into the little belt. Oh, my gosh. The visual. <laughs> and I was really, I didn't really grasp exactly what she was talking about until one day in gym class. Guess who got her period? That is every girl's nightmare. It was. It was mine. Oh, I was, I was mortified. Did you know it was happening? I, I don't really... Did you see it or you just remember feeling it? I remember feeling it and I, I went to my teacher and she said, well, here you go, Carolyn. Here's a nickel. You go and you put it in that machine in the bathroom and the little belt will be in there. You know what to do. Just this put it on. This belt thing sounds frightening. What exactly <laughs> is it? Like a garter belt. With, I still don't know what that is exactly. I mean, I kind of know. Well, you know so, what a garter belt is? It was to ha- so hold up stockings. Right. So it's and held up around your pad. you. Yep. So the... Wow. And the pad was a dis- it was disposable. Yeah. And it, uh, I, the way I remember, one side was blue and one, the rest was white. Okay. Well, I didn't know the blue side was pla- was a plastic liner, so you wouldn't the leak through. The absorbable part? No, so you wouldn't leak through. Oh, it was gotcha. plastic. Oh, gotcha. under Under the white gotcha. coating. And, of course, I put mine on upside down. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it till I got home, and it oh, was no. kind of leaky and icky. Oh. And then... Uh, my mom um, came to me and she said, well, I got a note from your teacher. Do you have any questions? Do you know you're going to be hitting this once every month now? And I, I said, yes. She said, do you want to talk about anything? I said, no. That was it. And that was it. Wow. Unreal. I did not want to talk about it. I was so ashamed because, you know, where it happened. And when. Plus, I was also dealing with... Um, you're getting acclimated back to American society. Sure. It was kind of a culture shock after be, grow, being in a rural, rural, little tiny town in India where I didn't even have much um, interaction with fellow American kids, let alone um, most of my friends were Indian. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. But that, I have to tell you, a few years later, I had my very best friend, one of my very best friends in India, was her name was Arati. And she was from a pretty upper-class Hindu family. And she started her period. That, that was my one other, I guess, that, that I, I did have that one thing that I, you know, I had learned a little bit about a period because of her. Sure. But for, for her and in their culture, they would have what they'd call a horubia. Horu, horu means small, and bia means wedding. So ba- basically it's coming of age. Okay. So what happens that the girl who gets her first period sits with garlands of flowers and stuff like this, and people come and and look at her, and she has to just sit there and say hi to everyone, and they bring her little gifts and stuff. Wow. 
And poor Aroti, I remember Aroti being just mortified. She was so oh. embarrassed. But, you know, and I thought, well, I guess I didn't have it too bad in gym class. At yeah, no kidding. Have, you didn't have a big party. I, I didn't have someone come every day until it was over. And then and the you. world knowing that, hey, wow, she's not. She's now a woman. She, she Anybody could take her and get married her and have kids. Because that was, she because that was, was her culture. Yeah. Wow, unreal. Yeah. On one hand, I think it's neat that they celebrated it. But in other ways, it's a, it is attention. a celebration. But yeah. it's it's embarrassing. The, but for her, it was very. Maybe it's not that way for every little girl. But yeah. but for her, I don't know how much they talked to her about it before. Yeah, strange. But you know, all I knew is that Arati wasn't coming around, and they said, "Oh, well, you know, it's her horubia." Wow. And I thought, well, what is that? You know, I thought, wow, a little wedding? How cute. Oh, my gosh. But it, that's not what. <laughs> that's crazy. So did your, so then, you, like you said, every so every so many years you were in Minnesota, in the States. And, and Five in, years in, in India, one okay. year in the U.S. And so in either culture, did you communicate with, like, did girls talk about their sexuality and their menstruation and their yeah. interesting boys after, and stuff like that? After the initial shock. Yeah. Of hey, this is happening to you, and you're going to get it every month. After the initial shock wears off, yeah, yeah then you talk, and then you feel better because you can. But but you know, going back to India again, a lot of my friends wore rags and had to wash their own clothes, Aww. just kind of like it did in early America here. Makes that belt seem pretty nice. That, yeah, that made the belt seem wow. I've I've got it pretty fancy, Gosh. you know. So. Wow, unreal. Yeah. How interesting. How interesting. And what did Grandma ever tell you? I know Grandma was incredibly sweet. Very. She reminds me of one of my sisters who is pretty much embarrassed to say things like deodorant. Like, you know, she's <laughs> like words that have to do with personal hygiene and sexuality is more shy. Yeah. And, and Grandma was always incredibly sweet and positive. And something about her seemed very naive to me. Like, you know, yep. she would just she just trusted everyone. And uh, what did she tell you, if not about sexuality? Did she talk to you about relationships or marriage <laughs> or anything like that? She told me when when I was dating your dad, yeah. and when we were about to get engaged, and she said, "You know, Carolyn, it's the woman who's always in charge." I said, "What?" She said, "The woman has the control. If something happens and you get pregnant." It's your fault. That's what she said? Well, she didn't put it exact, but that's the general consensus So, like, of the it. woman's supposed to try to keep that from happening. So, it's my fault because I I winked and wiggled my hip or something, and I was the one who enticed the man. But didn't she also tell you something about the men always being right or something? Oh, well, that's after you're married. So, your before you're married, <laughs> the woman, it's the woman's yeah, fault. Yeah, the woman happens. needs to control... She, the control is in her, in her, like the ball is in her court. Okay, so it wasn't about like pleasurable experiences. It was basically like, it's your fault if something goes wrong. Yep. And then once you're married, what did she tell you? Well, you, are, your husband is always right. Yeah. You can never be married and be selfish. There's you some shit there. You can never have a child and be selfish. Sure. It never works. And she was one of the most unselfish people I know. Oh yeah. Absolutely. She's so, so giving. I remember she would just, any chance she could. And she a lot of it give. was her culture. She also grew up in India. Yeah. And went to a British boarding school. So hers was really strict, her yeah. upbringing. I bet she didn't learn a lot Yep. about those kinds of things. That's but you would think with her going into nursing, she would have been more open. Yeah. But, but she really didn't care to talk about things like that. 
Sure. And that was also a cultural and a generational thing. Yeah. People not talking about certain things, for sure. Yeah. I know you had some really interesting experiences with dating, uh, that you were chaperoning your older sister's dates. Oh. Uh, what was, because your parents were, you know, strict Baptist missionaries. Mm-hmm. I know not yeah. a lot was allowed. What was dating like for you, or do you have any kind of funny memories you can share? Um, my own dating or my sister's Either. dating? Either. Whatever comes to mind. Well, I, we came back to the, to the States to stay when I was 16, 15 or 16. And we came back on a Dutch freighter. We came back South Pacific for 45 days. And my sister was five years older than I and had, <clears throat> she was college age. She wasn't going to college at the time. She was working as a nurse's aide, came over to visit. So she was on the ship with us going back to the States. And she fell in love with the waiter, this handsome, <laughs> blonde, blue-eyed Dutch waiter. And she wanted to go out on dates and when we'd hit har- any harbor. And um, any harbor. And my mom, um, my dad said, well, you can go, but Carolyn goes as your chaperone. And she was your older sister she by how many? She was five, five and a half years, almost six. Wow. And um, I was kind of reserved, but we went to sailor's bars. We went to sailor. They let you in? Sailor's swimming pools. So how old were you? I was 15, 16, but I looked a lot older. Okay. And I had a lot of guys come and ask me if I wanted to dance, and I was just, I said, no, no, thank you. I don't know how. Oh, <laughs> That's what That's I said. That's so cute. <laughs> and um, fortunately, like when we went to the swimming pool, there was a an older waiter on the ship also, and he saw that I was supposed to be Jack. I should mention her, my sister's um, chaperone, and he kind of felt badly for me, and he thought someone should be walking, watching out for that young girl by herself, and he kind of took me under his wing. Oh, that's nice. And he, you know, he helped me do some. So he taught me a couple swimming strokes, and yeah. and what kind of hang out near where I was. Uh, Looked out for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's nice. That's nice. My but gosh. I mean, no, that, the, and then dating here. Um, well, first of all, um, my sister thought that I should be dating, and I really wasn't quite interested yet. Yeah. And she was dating a guy who had a younger brother. She says, "Well, let's go on a double." And, um, and well, actually, it would have been a triple because we also met up with her girlfriend and her and her boyfriend, but. So we did, and it, and my parents were out of town. We were staying in the house by ourselves, and we got in the car, my sister in the front, of course, with this guy, and I I can't even remember the guy's name that, that I there was, a, and he was much older than me, and he was not super attractive and very quite large, and he kept moving closer and closer to me, and I kept inching. Away, away towards the door. And pretty soon I was flat against the door, and I I finally said something, and he moved over. But then we got to my parents' house, and here we are alone in my parents' house, okay? And the older two, my sister and her friend, they said, oh, we're going down to Dad's den. And next thing I know, I'm sitting on the couch, and this guy sits by me, turns off the light, and comes over close. Mm. And I got up. And I shot down the stairs to my dad's den, and I turned on the light, and I said, this date is 
over. <laughs> and I job. never saw him again. <laughs> Way to stand up for yourself. That's good. So, but anyway. Good for you. I wasn't comfortable from the beginning. Gosh. So. And when you met Dad, you were 19, 18? 17. You were 17. <laughs> wow. And uh, how did, how Black did he sound strike of music. you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, how did he strike you as, because he's quite different, it sounds like, from the other people that you met. Oh, he was met. totally different. Not in your face, just interested in who you are as a person. Yeah. Hi, what's your name? I mean, and, uh, and interested in, your, in, in what your interests were, well, what my interests were. And just nice, you know, and... It just was a much, much, much different You guys experience. have always had a really cool friendship yeah. in addition to everything else. And you were telling me a bit about uh, he didn't act or the way that you'd been told that a husband would as far as, like, household responsibilities and stuff like that. What was, <laughs> what was that all about? Well, his mom had five boys and a girl, and she raised them right. Because <laughs> uh, after we were married, I remember I was going to wash the kitchen floor, and there he was washing the floor. I said, what are you doing my work for? <laughs> and um, he said, your work? I thought this was our place. Yeah. We share all the responsibilities. Wow. So I, 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 pe- my, my girlfriends have always said, Carolyn, you are spoiled. Uh-huh. And yes, I am. And You're I, very respected, you know. So, it's cool. You guys have a great relationship. But we always think of each other in little things. Yeah. Even like... If I go grocery shopping, just to find even a special little thing, treat that he likes that I stick in the drawer, his drawer where he keeps the car keys. So yeah. when he goes to open it, he uh-huh. finds something and he just, you know, and he's the same way. It's a, it just says, I thought of you. Yeah, that's sweet. And you guys have been married for 42 years. 42 years. And we got married on April Fool's. In a, and there was a snowstorm. You got locked out of the church. Yep. You made your own dress. Didn't you cook your own dinner, too? Uh, yeah, well, we we had more like a tea for for okay. the for the uh, reception, but it, we we wanted a small wedding. Yeah. For one thing, I, my sister got married before me, and she had a huge wedding, and she wore a regular sari. We they, my parents ordered saris from India for all the bridesmaids, and it was gigantic, just gigantic, and I thought, wow. This is really nice, but that's not what I want. Yeah. And I just always just wanted a small wedding. And I had been, I went to India to visit my husband, who at the time was um, studying abroad with my brother. And we had gotten engaged, and I bought a white sari that was woven with silver in it. And I brought it back, and I sewed my own dress. Lovely. And you were 19? I was 19 when we got married. Yep. That's amazing. So cool. But it's one of those, you know how some people say you look across the room and you know. Yeah. Um, we just knew from the beginning. From the very beginning. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Any advice that you'd give to, you know, women out there who are hoping to have a really strong relationship in all ways? What's, what's your favorite relationship advice? Well, one thing I've, I've taught my daughters now as they're getting married, because as you have said, August... Mom, it's hard when you tell us, marry someone like Dad. How can we ever find someone like Dad? Yeah. You know, his, his, the measuring stick is too high. Literally, too. He's <laughs> six foot five. <laughs> but, yeah. So, but what I tell them is, you know, if they're feeling sad because, they, you know, they, you know they, 
things are not going the way they had planned. I said, you know, you need to teach your husband how to treat you. I remember that. You said you lucked out with dad, and yes. sometimes you need to and teach And your him husband how to treat you. doesn't know what's in your mind. You need to tell him your thoughts. Um, some have, have been raised in families that don't remember birthdays. Yeah. Their, their mothers, I mean, nobody ever did much. And, and I think partly me, having grown up in India, we learned to um, really celebrate birthdays, celebrate small things, and make people feel important. Sure. And sometimes that ha- people who have not experienced that growing up, are just it's just foreign to them. Yeah. So they need to be taught. And then they learn what it's like. Wow, I was thought of was that sure felt good, you yeah. know. So and it's then not their so, fault if so turn around. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they're one, wonderful guys, but sometimes and same thing. Maybe there's something in, that they did when they were growing up. They need to teach their wives too that we'd yeah. like to continue this in our family. Yeah, absolutely. it's communication, open communication. Thank you. So now every time I'm very communicative at home, I can say, my mom taught me to say everything that's in my mind. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, that's, no, that's also just your nature and my nature, I think, yeah. is too. We call it the blurt. Yeah, sometimes I do, I do get the blurt. What's, what's a good blurt that oh, you have? Oh, jeez, I don't know. <laughs> you need to think about that? No, sometimes when I just say something that's... That probably wasn't the most complimentary, I think. Oh, no. And it'll come out loudly, and it'll come out when the rest of the room, you're in public, everyone else gets quiet, and then, blah, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, yep. I've been through that It'll before. be crawl under the carpet. Do you have any thoughts or, you know, other things you'd like to mention or ask me or talk about today? No, I think I'm, one thing I'm proud of you is for doing this show is to make, because I think a show like this, helps people com- be comfortable about their body. Yeah. And I was not comfortable about my body. Mm-hmm. And because of things that happened in my life, there are still some things that I have issues with. Sure. And I'm not saying that, you know, because you've had some experience that the issues will go away. Right. But there are ways to work around it. What have you found to be helpful in that regard? For one thing, not to dwell on things that are really negative try to you know stress the positive sure. and also you need to communicate to your husband and your as your husband communicates to you yeah. and that's what it, the other thing is teach your husband how to communicate I think especially now with all the cell phone and all the video ga- you know I mean with all the technology we have sometimes it's just got to turn all that stuff off yeah and find some kind of a balance where you talk we call that Ingalls Night, like Laura, Laura Ingalls Wilder. And, <laughs> and we started it when we lost power. And we were like, this is kind of cool. So we lit candles and we pulled out all our instruments. And, and we were like, we should wear overalls. We didn't get to get that far. We don't have overalls. But we <laughs> thought it would be really cool. And we're like, we should cook stuff on a fire, you know? <laughs> and I think, you know, we don't need to go to that extreme all the time. But it's no. really neat to, I like that, to shut everything off. You and, need to balance. Yeah. You really need to balance. Even just 10 minutes without any distraction. Like, you turn off the TV. All you do is focus on talking to each other and listening. And yep. I think that can be a really great Well, and they're finding now that people who, I just heard on the news the other day, that people who bring their work home yeah. are still stressed. Yeah. You need to be able to get away from it. Sure. And stress is causing so many bad things in our, in our 
It can cause Lives. everything, it mm-hmm. seems like. Can anything, like infections mm-hmm. and immune function problems and Inflammation, heart everything. Heartburn, yeah. yeah. Yeah, being more mindful in life is, yep. is really big, for sure. My, for me, meditation. Nice. Do you and meditate every day? I meditate not just every day, but I take two or three times during the day. And, you know, I'm for, well, I am a Christian, and I meditate, and I meditate getting to know God, just, just taking time, I call it, to listen to God. Yeah. You know, and because uh, so often we go to God with all our requests, and we want, why is this going wrong in my life? Why can't you, you know, and I just shut everything off and just take time to listen and be mindful. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. And do you actually sit down and... You know, try to. Actually, I lay down, and I every day I lay down for a while. Wow! And uh, some people think that I'm sleeping. I'm not sleeping. Ah! I close my eyes, and it's my time. It's kind of like pretend naps you taught me. Remember? Yeah. Because I would not nap. <laughs> because you wouldn't. <laughs> Even when I was like two, yeah. my poor mother. I'm yeah, so no, sorry that's about right. that. It wasn't. It wasn't on purpose. <laughs> but I just have never been a napper. No, uh, everybody. No, you never were, and you yeah. never slept well when you were a baby. That's just who you were. You were yeah. always busy. Being awake is more fun for me. But you were very, but fun, <laughs> and you were a very fun child. Oh well, thanks. So yeah. in between, in between the outbursts, I'm sure. <laughs> <Just> kidding. <laughs> well, but, uh, when we both did an outburst together at once, maybe that wasn't <laughs> such a good thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe the rest of the family. Then, has then Dad memory. has to come in and say, yeah. "Okay, girls, <laughs> really, is it that big?" <laughs> we're never bored, which is a really good no. thing. But you taught me that when I, when I was really little, to just you said you don't have to sleep; you can just. You know, lie down with some books, even, and I, mm-hmm. that's how I learned to read when I was really well, young. I, yeah. So, but you, you went to bed with a pile of books. Yeah, <laughs> I sure did. Because I told I you sure you could did. take books, and you really thought books. Yeah. Not one book, but books. So I probably brought about thirty or forty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very very fun. Awesome. Well, it's been so fun to have you here. Oh well, thank you. And uh, I hope to have you. And back I am then. proud of you. I am very proud of thank you, Mom. What you do, it's not. I think people from my generation, many, uh, I know even a lot of my friends, sure. would have issue with the thought of a girl boner. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know? no, I, do, I, I hear you. I've heard things. But we need to be comfortable. Yeah. And it's supposed to be a and fun it, and And also, term too. it doesn't mean that I'm, we're going to go home and have to dinner guests and say, well, did you know today we talked about boners? Would we, would we, <laughs> what would you like to say tonight? You know, it doesn't mean that. party, but yeah, no, I know it's about comfort and it's fun about comfort. and funniness and, and the whole thing was that I never learned about female sexual pleasure which is an important part of being yeah. a woman and so when I was being a curious kid, I always wondered, what is a girl boner? Because everyone was like, boys have these boners that feel so good. Women menstruate. Oh. <laughs> you know? That's where the term comes from. And it's so funny because I didn't think anything of it as far as, I didn't think people would have like a weirdness about the term at all. Like, everyone loves it. When I talk to people who are, you know, a lot of people I talk to just love it. But I didn't realize that I keep hearing from people, women send me emails and they say, you're so brave. And I just... It doesn't feel bravery to me is doing something that's really hard for you, but you set aside the hardness and you say, "I'm doing it anyway." I wasn't scared. Well, to talk and you're about not doing this for I, to coin a term, shock and awe. No, no, not at all. You know, it's all. it's more about explanations. It is an empowerment. Yeah, exploring all that. Thank you for understanding that. Yes. And you also, and also yeah. you had 
mentioned about humor. Yeah. That was my other key to a mar- marital success. Ooh. We, everyone needs humor in your life. They everyone. Do. Even they sexu- do. sexually, you need humor, too. They do. It's sometimes very funny it's sometimes. very funny. Especially if you were never taught anything, you mm-hmm. know, and suddenly everyone has some funny stories. Yeah. Do you have any funny jokes or anything? I think you could you could probably end with an Oli and Lena joke. Well, I found a couple online. My accent is kind of horrible because I have been oh, there for a while. But no, but she is a Scandinavian at heart. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, here it goes. So I'm going to read you two jokes here. So Oli and Lena are these characters. I don't know. Are they based on real people or not? I don't know. But they're these two characters. It's basically a couple of Norwegians in mm-hmm. Minnesota. So. Swedish and Norwegian people are very kind of... Stoic. Very stoic and hush-hush about everything. Mm -hmm. Not just sexuality, but pretty much everything. And very overly polite. Mm -hmm. And they talk a little funny. Uh, So I have a couple of jokes here. Uh, So this first one here. Oli and Lina got married. On their honeymoon trip, they were nearing Minneapolis. Then Oli put his hand on Lina's knee. Giggling, Lina said, Oli, you can go farther than that if you want to. So Oli drove to Duluth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is pretty funny. Duluth is like five hours yeah. away. So instead of going farther by, you know, making well, out or having some passion. They drove farther. They drove farther. <laughs> yes. Uh, I have one more here. Uh, I'm going to start this out in my normal accent. Okay, so Lena competed with a French woman and an English woman in the breaststroke division. I can see where this is going. Of an English channel swim competition. The French woman came in first, the English woman second. Lena reached the shore completely exhausted. She remarked, I don't want to complain, but I think those other girls used their arms. <laughs> you just hear her flapping around with her. Anyway. It's funny, you know, grandma's, my mom's favorite stroke was the breaststroke. <laughs> Interesting. That, that makes it really funny. You know, they probably found ways to enjoy their yeah. sensuality in secret little ways. Mm-hmm. And I know that great grandma and grandpa had a beautiful romance and they yes. had love letters. And so I know that there's a lot of passion there even. And, and you know, not everyone needs to be so talkative and open about sexuality. I, I'm comfortable with it. And that's why I think it's a good way to communicate and have other people listen. But I think it's important just to have it's comfort. It's important to keep it sa- sacred in a relationship. Absolutely. Too. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you there for sure. Well, thanks so much for, for being here, Mom. Well, thank you. My pleasure. And you are very good. Oh, dear. <laughs> you wouldn't dare say anything else. <laughs> uh, well, I hope to have you here next time. Maybe Dad will join us too. <laughs> Oof, duh. Oh, dear. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed that half as much as I did. Have you talked to your mom about sexuality? If so, I would love to hear about it. You can connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and my blog. Links for all of those sites are available on my main website, which is augustmclaughlin.com. And if you are enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes if you haven't and leave us a simple review while you're there. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.